1: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
0: Welcome to ABG Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. My name's Helen. I'm Janet.
1: I'm Anne Fung.
2: October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Month in the United States, and October 15th is World Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. On this podcast, we love having vulnerable and honest conversations with our guests. And given the nature of today's topic, we wanna give a fair trigger warning. We will be talking about pregnancy loss and miscarriage. Miscarriage, also known as early pregnancy loss, is when there is a loss of your pregnancy before 20 weeks. And miscarriage is actually very common. Something like 30% of pregnancies will end in miscarriage and oftentimes um, may end before the person even knows that they're pregnant. However, most people who miscarry will go on to have healthy pregnancies later.
0: Today's guest is Anne Fung Wynn Guzman. Got that right. Okay. Just want to make sure. She is an athlete, a health and wellness coach, a wife, and a first-time mama. We wanted to have Anne on our podcast today to share about her extensive pregnancy journey, which included two consecutive miscarriages before welcoming their baby boy this past summer. Anne's approach to social media has always been incredibly vulnerable and honest. She has shared about her journey with therapy and also her experiences with grief and loss after her miscarriages and the passing of her mother. We are so honored to have Anne on our podcast today to share her deeply personal journey with us. So, with that, welcome to the podcast, Anne. Hi, thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here and just sharing your journey with us. And first off, we just want to say congratulations thank to you and JP you. for your beautiful baby boy, thank Haven. You so much. so cute. I think a lot of people who have been following you just know how difficult of a journey it was for you to get here today. So we are just very happy for where you are in life. Thank you. So the first question I wanted to ask you is before even trying for a family, what were your thoughts and feelings around parenthood or motherhood? Did you always want to
1: be a mom? Yeah, I always knew I wanted to be a mom, but I felt like motherhood is something that was just a part of life's plan. It's Mm -hmm. like something you do, you go to Mm -hmm. college, you get married, you have kids. And I think I was always trying to follow the plan to the T Mm -hmm. up until my mom passed away when like life just completely turned 180. And so I just had to do like a lot of soul searching and learning how to navigate life without her. Mm -hmm. And I was also navigating life being single. I was Mm. always in a serious relationship and I was single and then my mom passed away. So I was learning how to be single and learning how to live without my mom. Mm. So it was just a lot at one time. And then when I met my now husband, just everything clicked and made sense. And when you choose your partner, it's so important to choose someone who's also going to be a great husband and a great father because... Mm. Sorry, (laughs) getting emotional, Um, but like choosing your partner makes such like an important impact on your child because throughout my pregnancy and now like newborn phase and into Haven being four months, my husband's been Mm -hmm. so amazing. So I feel like if I didn't have a healthy and happy marriage Mm. and pregnancy and this whole journey, then I don't think I would have loved motherhood as much as I do now. Mm. Mm. That's so beautifully said.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that insight. I Mm -hmm. think we do talk a lot about dating and the journey to finding your partner. Mm -hmm. And the thing that we talk about a lot that maybe is different when you get older in your 30s is that you think about not just them being um, a part of a marriage with them as like Mm -hmm. a partner or a husband or a wife or whatnot, but about being a partner and raising a family together. So
1: yeah, it's very, very
2: awesome to to hear um, it play out for you. Can you share with us about your trying to conceive, or I think it's uh, sometimes called the TTC journey?
1: Yeah. So my husband and I got married in May of 2021. And at that time, I was just going through a lot with like my mental health. I had recently started therapy and just unpacking so much trauma from Mm -hmm. my mom's passing and childhood, college, all those things. And I felt like It was one thing after another. We were going through issues with families and in-laws and then friendship breakups, which is really Mm. difficult to navigate like when you're in your 30s because you think these people are going to be in your life forever. And so I was telling my husband, let's wait until after the summer until like, you know, I feel better and things just feel better. Mm. Um, So we started trying in September and I... I think I assumed that like everything would happen just automatically. You know, I've heard about miscarriages, but I didn't have anyone close to me Mm -hmm. to really navigate that conversation with. So we got pregnant in um, October, but then we miscarried in December. So Mm -hmm. my first miscarriage was at 10 and a half weeks. And it was just devastating because I didn't know what was happening and I didn't know how to talk about it. And it was just a very confusing place, especially when you don't have the best medical team on your side. Mm -hmm. So with TTC, I was like, I didn't think it would be like this at all. And now looking back, I don't think I was in a mentally and emotionally good place at that time because everything started being fixated on having a baby. And mm. like my whole life was consumed, you know, taking the early pregnancy tests, like checking your ovulation, mm. like just trying every day. Mm. And it was like... I just felt like I was very consumed and you don't Mm. think it's going to happen. You just think like, oh, let's go with the flow. It happens, it happens. But after you're trying like month after month and then you miscarry, it just, it just really consumes you.
0: Yeah. Mm. Are you open to sharing sort of how that experience was like for you and maybe a little bit more detailed? I think because for me, I feel like it just more recently, maybe I feel like more and more women have started to share their Mm. journeys. And For people to just be more aware of like, kind of what to expect in terms of not just the physical, but like mentally what you're going through. Because mm-hmm. I think only when you can understand the stories, can you really empathize, yeah. you know, with what someone has gone through? Yeah. Would you be open to, to sharing that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I started spotting a day after we were intimate. So Mm -hmm. I thought like, oh my gosh, like what did we do? Mm Was it something like we did? Mm -hmm. And then so my OB at the time said, oh, it's normal. If you're like just slightly um, spotting, don't worry about it. But then it progressively got worse Mm -hmm. and I started like really panicking. Um, So we went to that OB and he scheduled me to get um, a vaginal ultrasound. Right. So when I was at uh, the appointment and the tech at that time, they can't say anything. Mm. Right. They can't tell you like, oh, you're actually starting to miscarry mm. or whatever. They just have to do what they do. Mm-hmm. They can't really diagnose you. So, right, they that can't moment. because yeah. it's out of their scope. Yeah. So I knew something was wrong because once she like took out the wand, I just saw so much blood. Like there was oh. so much blood, so much blood clots, and I was just like. Well, wait, like, am I miscarrying right now? And like, she's like, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. Like, your OB has to talk to you about it. Oh so like, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm still like bleeding a lot, and I'm just so confused because I'm still hopeful. I've never yeah. been through a miscarriage, so I don't really understand what's happening. But I, I knew I shouldn't be bleeding this much. Like, mm. it was a lot of blood, and the OB I had at that time. Uh, It was just so disheartening because I was waiting for the results. So I called the office and like I got to talk to him on the phone and I said, you know, if I am Miss Karen, can you just please tell me so that I don't have to keep wondering? Mm. And he said, oh, your HCG levels still look okay. Why don't you just come back tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And it was just so bizarre to me. And I think he wanted me to come back just so he could run my insurance so that he can just have mm. another patient that he saw. So then, after I got off the phone, I was very disheartened and I told my husband, Babe, let's just go to the ER. Like, I really just need to know. Yeah. So we get to the a- ER, like, we're waiting for hours because obviously I'm not a high priority compared to other patients. So we're sitting and waiting. And then we go in there, and like, the tech at that time, or if the nurse, He was like, you know, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but it shows that you're having a miscarriage. You know, Mm -hmm. like I don't see like a live, viable pregnancy. So my heart drops and I'm just like, okay, well, here it is. Like I'm finally hearing that I'm having a miscarriage. So that was really hard. So I'm just like in shock. I'm not in shock. Well, I was preparing for it, but like you're still in shock that it's happening. And you just feel so, like, you just feel so alone. Like, what did I do? Was it something I did? Was Could I have done something differently? And so the ER doctor, he came by and he, he confirmed it. And he said, there was nothing I could have done to change it. And he was like, you know, it's very common. My wife had one. And then like the nurses are like, it's okay. Like I had one too. And so people are telling me these things and I'm so grateful they shared with me. But yeah. it didn't help because mm. you're still... I think it's just people making it like they're normalizing it for you. But Mm. as a first time experience, Mm -hmm. it's still so painful and you're just literally trying to process what's happening. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Oof. Thank you for sharing. I'm like getting emotional hearing your Mm -hmm. story. Um, But yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with us because I think that's, it's such such a personal journey Mm -hmm. for anyone. Right. What do you feel could have made a big difference in your experience? Um, perhaps could have made it better or what do you think would have made a big difference for you?
1: I feel that with the first time, if I had better better medical care, like if I had an OB that I felt genuinely cared about my experience Mm -hmm. versus, Mm -hmm. oh, I have another patient who's going through a miscarriage or like the people at the hospital, if they were more compassionate about Mm -hmm. what was going on Mm -hmm. and that I'm processing this new, like life-changing experience, Right, Mm -hmm. Like you're not just losing the baby, but you're also losing like this future that you saw and like you had all these hopes. Mm -hmm. So I feel that if the medical field as a whole was more compassionate, I think Mm -hmm. it would help a lot of women, especially those going through a miscarriage for the first time. Mm
2: -hmm. That's really great advice. I think oftentimes... Uh, For women, when we start to see an OB or OB-GYN, and maybe as we go through our young adulthood, we Mm -hmm. might jump around to different doctors and not be very mindful. Maybe this is one of those situations where it's like, good to find someone you feel good about and mm-hmm. that you feel like a rapport with yeah. for when you start going into pregnancy. Because yeah, I think it, they call it like bedside manners or yeah. just some mm-hmm. of the, the compassionate part makes a big difference.
1: Yeah, not everyone has it. Yeah. And the second OB, I saw a week after I had my miscarriage, I went to like just get a follow-up, see if everything is like cleared down there. Mm. So he, he made me wait an hour, even though I had an appointment. And mm-hmm. the first thing he said to me when he saw me was, congratulations on your pregnancy and I was like excuse me and he was like congrats on your pregnancy and I said I'm here because I have a miscarriage and he like looks at my paperwork and he's like oh I didn't see that I didn't have time to look through your paperwork before I came in (sighs) so that like crushed my soul and I think that's why I was like just depressed after my first miscarriage because it was back-to-back doctors who had no empathy Mm. I felt like they've been through it so much that now it's like, oh, you're going through it. Like, I'm sorry, but Mm -hmm. you know, you'll be okay kind of thing. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. So it sounds like, yeah, they were very much focused on the medical procedure Mm -hmm. of all of it and not really being able to understand that this is someone's life mm-hmm. and that you're having. um Yeah. Like, I mean, especially for a first time, I think yeah. that is so, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Uh, but thank you for sharing. Cause I feel like repeatedly I hear a lot of my close friends and women, mm-hmm. whether it's pregnancy, whatever it is of having that experience with the doctor. Um, so I think in some degree, someone who's listening mm-hmm. might feel not so alone if they've had those interactions. Yeah. Um, but also hopefully are. Um, extra diligent about just vocalizing that it's not right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also your, you know, your friends and your family that mm-hmm. are kind of play a role in all of this as well, right? Yeah. So I'm sure it was really challenging for you individually and then sharing with your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was it like having to, or if you did, and how you approach sharing with your family, especially knowing that within Asian culture, oftentimes yeah. like, Pregnancy or miscarriage can be such a taboo topic.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel that in our culture, it's tell me when like, you know, for sure, but you never mm-hmm. really know. Even after yeah. the 12 week mark, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Like people have miscarriages like up until the 20th week or mm-hmm. they have stillbirth. Mm-hmm. So you never really know. And there's no, what I've learned is there's never a really safe spot in your pregnancy Mm. where you can share and like that's, you know, completely secured. Right. Right. So my dad was you know, very supportive of everything. When I told him I was having a miscarriage, he said like, you know, it's going to be okay. Your mom had a few before, like Mm. she had your brother, which I didn't Mm -hmm. know about. Mm -hmm. Because growing up, we didn't have these conversations with our parents. We didn't say like, oh, hey, you know, when you were trying to have my brother and I, like, did you go through any struggles or anything Mm -hmm. like that? And since my mom's not here, I can't talk to her about it. So just having my dad tell me like, it's going to be okay. Like Mm -hmm. that helped a lot. And my dad has been more open about like communicating on like a deeper level. Like mm-hmm. I'd shared some, of starting therapy and like I go through anxiety and things and he was receptive. He didn't quite understand why I needed to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Their generation was like, we're just tough. Like yeah. we just yeah, deal with yeah. it. But I yeah. think with time, just having more conversations helped him understand. And when I, like a couple of months afterwards, I told him we were going to start, um, just continue to try And I asked my dad, when would you like me to tell you the next time that Mm. we're pregnant? Mm. And he said, well, I would like you to tell me, like, when you feel comfortable and, like, when you know, like, the baby's okay. Mm. But then I know he doesn't know that it's never a safe place. So my third pregnancy, my second pregnancy, I didn't tell him about it. Um, I just told him that, like, we had a miscarriage again. And then the third pregnancy, I waited till 12 weeks to tell him. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: was he so excited for you? When he you told
1: him? he actually uh, we surprised him with a bottle of um, XO because he loves drinking. Yeah. Oh my drinking. god, does too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he? Yeah, we put a sonogram coming. on the oh, bottle, oh my gosh. but it went over his head because he was so focused on the oh, bottle. So. He just looked. Like, he was like, "What was like, age is this? Look. What brand is this?" Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah,
0: is it the VSOP? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. So my dad, he's been great and he's loved being a grandpa. So I'm like really grateful for that. Amazing.
0: Amazing. I love to hear that he is involved and just very happy for you too. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. What's something about the pregnancy journey or pregnancy loss or the medical experience that you just wish more people knew about?
1: I wish people would listen more. I feel that when women share that they're having a miscarriage, oftentimes we're not heard, but we're given advice. We're being told mm. what to feel, what not to feel. Like, it's okay, don't be sad. One of the worst things I've heard, and I heard it so much, it's okay, don't, said, be, it's okay don't be a sad. A lot of people said, it's okay, don't be sad. You can try again or just mm. try and be positive. It mm. was a lot of toxic positivity mm. mm-hmm. and it, it was also harder coming from people who've never experienced loss before and or people who I knew didn't want children. So it's a lot mm. easier to tell me how to heal, especially when you haven't gone through it. But I also understand it comes from a place of unawareness because mm. they haven't gone through it yet. They probably haven't had the hard conversations. Mm-hmm. So they're only sharing with me what they know. And I can't fault them for it because they don't have that scope to support me in the ways that I need. Yeah. So oftentimes I think a lot of women who go through miscarriages, it's better if we don't talk about it versus mm-hmm. talking about it than being told and given so much advice that we weren't asking for. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of times like whether it's grief of losing an infant baby pregnancy or like you know a parent, we just want to feel heard.
2: Mm -hmm. So I feel
1: that when someone shares with you that they're going through something, like, listen and ask questions like, how can I support you? Mm -hmm. Like, what better ways can I be there for you? What do you need from me? Like, really make it about the person who's Mm -hmm. grieving versus what you think they should or shouldn't do, feel, or think. Yeah. oh,
0: That is very good advice for just anyone out there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super insightful because I definitely, I used to be one of those friends that want to fix things for people. And so it makes sense that your friends naturally, when they, when you come to them they're just like oh my god I see you in pain yeah. how do I fix it tell you to not be sad right mm-hmm. but I think it's very useful for anyone out there who if they don't know how to if they themselves have not experienced loss and grief and have someone close to them going through that mm-hmm. to just sit down and listen and yeah. to put the power into to the person's hands by asking mm-hmm. them how, how they can be supportive so yeah. thank you for sharing that I'm sure that will be really useful for a lot of listeners
1: yeah. um, I also wanted to share that like feeling sad and angry and all of these emotions that we are conditioned to think is negative Mm. it's not a bad feeling to feel Mm. like it's really important to feel your pain your sadness your anger because if you don't what I feel like our Asian community and like How we were raised, we just suppress and we just layer and layer and pack and pack. And if we never feel these feelings, one day it's gonna show up Mm. and it could be very toxic, it could be dangerous to like ourselves or our loved ones. So even though in the moment it's so hard to feel it, like it's important to allow ourselves to feel these painful emotions because that's how we heal ourselves, because no one else can heal us except us.
2: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that is really important it makes me want to understand how you went through processing it personally. And then also knowing that, you know, you and your husband, probably it was, you had a lot of private moments where you both uh, were actively trying to heal and Mm. move on. So can you share with us a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah, so we've had a lot of really deep talks about, Mm. you know, why is this happening? We'll never understand why in that moment, right? But me and my husband, we love talking on a spiritual level so that we can connect and like grow our relationship. And so we're asking, okay, so is this because Buddha and God? So we share different faiths, but we walk together. Um, That's so fascinating. So we always question like, okay, Like, why might this be happening? Is it because something in our lives personally or as a couple, like it's not aligned right now? Like, Mm -hmm. what are we going through that could be affecting Mm -hmm. like our situation? Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just not meant to be, right? Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of those talks. And what was really important for me is to support my husband because oftentimes... I feel like the partners are forgotten about,
2: Mm. right?
1: Because we're going through it. I'm going through it like physically Mm. and I'm going through it like mentally, emotionally, but he also lost that opportunity and like it's also his baby and like the future like we were thinking about together. So leaning into each other and making sure like it's also about us Mm. because I don't want him to feel that it's only about me and like I'm the only one in pain. So just navigating like the really hard conversations and then talking about, okay, when are we ready to try together? Mm -hmm. Because if we're not connected, then it's a lot harder. And like, we didn't want to just try to, just to try. We wanted like every time to be like special and like yeah. intimate. We didn't want it to become like a chore, mm. you know? So yeah, I think yeah. over time you have to keep that like romance and you have to make sure like it's meaningful mm-hmm. because when you're trying for like months and months or years and years, it mm-hmm. can become like, okay, let's just do it. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah,
0: that's a very good point. Become more routine or even just like exhausting. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's any tips there for people out there who who are trying to like to keep the romantic aspect of it up? Because I feel like that is also very unique. Yeah, I know when we were trying, it was getting to a point where we we're like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> ovulation time. Yeah, you know, like how did you did you like sync schedules? Or did you plan vacations mm. or trips? Or how did you keep that aspect?
1: So. I was listening to different friends and like some friends were like, you got to try every day on your ovulation. And I'm like, oh my God, that's a lot of days yeah. <laughs> to try Like morning, day. afternoon, night. Yes. Yeah. The three times that we were pregnant, we tried twice. Mm-hmm. And the third time we weren't actively trying. We, were, we just wanted to be intimate. And it happened to fall on like the same date of like our week. So I think just keeping it fun yeah. and just, you know, appreciating each other mm-hmm. and like this journey, it's a lot harder. Set than done or mm-hmm. it's a lot easier said than mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. but just remembering like why you fell in love like why you want mm-hmm. to have this baby together and start a family yeah. I think connecting will like like deepen your relationship yeah
0: and I really like something that you said earlier too about just allowing space for the husband or the dad to mm-hmm. share their emotions and their feelings yeah. I think a lot of times a lot of the focus is on the mom because the mom mm-hmm. is going through the physical Um, transformation and also the hormonal aspects and the mental mental shift and becoming a parent and all of that but I think the dad also goes through a lot of that and a lot of times they have to be the rock for the family Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, well, she's going through way more but I think hearing what you're saying is very important that it's important to also emphasize how important your partner is in this role as well, especially if they're Mm -hmm. a supportive partner. It's not just you, it's both of you together, Mm -hmm. right? So always emphasizing both partners and making sure there's equal space to share what you're feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really, I really like that takeaway. Well, I wanted to learn a little bit more about you also in other aspects of your life because okay. I, from my understanding, you started on social media since 2013. So you've mm-hmm. been sharing your journey and your and your life since 2013. You started off in a more corporate career. Yeah. Right. Can you share with our listeners what that corporate career was and how was that tra- transition into a more entrepreneurial type uh, journey after that?
1: So. It's, I love this question because it makes me reflect back and I can't believe it's been a decade since I was corporate. Then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to be a personal trainer. It's. It's been a, quite a ride. Mm. Definitely loved it. But I think I was just following like my life plan. Like mm. I told you ladies earlier, like go to college and then do all these things. So I just wanted a job that like My parents would be proud, like Mm. we're corporate, like dress up in these like fancy outfits, um, get a steady paycheck, you know, 401k, all these things. Mm -hmm. But then after a year of working there, I was a junior loan processor and it was a job I didn't even go to college for. I Mm -hmm. just got it because it was a stable job. So it was just very routine just separating like paperwork and files for people to like get a loan and the only thing I really enjoyed at that time was working out and I didn't see anyone in the space that looked like me Mm -hmm. a lot of the personal trainers or like fitness influencers at that time it it wasn't Asian people Mm -hmm. especially Asian females Mm -hmm, you know so when I quit my job, I didn't tell my dad, but he started noticing I was home a lot more. And he was just like, what are you doing? And I was hmm. like, um, I'm actually going to pursue something different. Mm-hmm. And like my parents were like, okay, you went to college, you got a mm-hmm. job, you know. And I told them, you know, give me a year. Let mm-hmm. me really try this out for a year. And if it doesn't work out, I'll go find like a steady job. Yeah. You know? How long were you in your corporate job for before you transitioned? So that out? job was a year and a half. Okay. And I think a year and a half working 8.30 to 6.30, it was just too much. Yeah. Like I felt like I didn't have a life outside of work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And probably
0: if you didn't feel passionate about what you were doing either, then it's like, why are you wasting your time here? Yeah. Yeah. Did social media have a role or play into your entrepreneur journey also?
1: Yeah, definitely. Because when I started out training, I had to share about my journey and also like my client's journey at that Mm -hmm. time. And Instagram was kind of like a marketing tool because, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is how I can help you. Mm -hmm. If you want to train with me or join my boot camp, so-and-so, like you can email me and then we can like work together. So social media at that time definitely helped me build my clientele and also Mm -hmm. just build like my platform of like how I wanted to navigate and like what I wanted to do with it. Mm. Mm. I see, I see.
0: I feel like with social media, like everyone kind of posts their, most of their, mostly mostly highlights, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like specifically with your page, you're very open about the lowlights along yeah. with the highlights. How yeah. did you get to a place where you felt comfortable doing that?
1: I think I've always enjoyed sharing. People might say I overshare and I put too much of my life on social media, but how I think of it is my life and my Instagram page, they're one the same. It's mm-hmm. not you see me in person and I'm completely different. I'm like low energy. I don't talk to you. I don't listen. Like what you see on my social media is reflecting of my personal life mm-hmm. because I want people, if they ever meet me, to say, yeah, she is how she is on social media. Like that's just who she is. Mm-hmm. So I always try to be authentic and always just be myself because at the end of the day, if social media were to disappear, I would be completely fine. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like, oh my God, my life's over. I'd be like, okay, um, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you
0: think that by being more open and vulnerable, you're also putting yourself in a place to be more susceptible to like negative comments and oh, things like yeah. that? Or yeah. Oh, How do you yeah. navigate that?
1: Everyone has something to say. Like you can never <laughs> please everybody. And even when I was sharing about my miscarriages, mm-hmm. I was getting, I wouldn't say it, backlash, I would say I was getting negative comments from people saying like, this is so personal. You shouldn't be sharing this. You should mm. be healing with your husband. Mm. I even had other people tell me, you should be lucky you even got pregnant because I've wow. been trying for X amount of years. And then when I got pregnant the third time, um, someone was like, oh, why are you working out? You already had two miscarriages and like now you're putting your baby in danger, like you're so selfish. So there's always people who have something to say. And I've learned for like almost a decade now, like I can't let them win. And winning Mm. means like just let them change who I am. Right. Like everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I completely understand. And that's something people tell me all the time. Well, it's just my opinion. You post what you want to post. Like, this is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. But I feel that as grown adults, we don't have empathy for each other. We don't have understanding. Mm -hmm. Because if this was little kids at school being mean, the teachers would be like, you can't do that. But as grown adults, we're quick to say, but that's just how I feel. It's my opinion. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to say that. Mm -hmm. So I feel that kindness as we've gotten older has has dwindled and now yeah. everyone's just so opinionated and they have to be right. Mm-hmm. And it's, I guess it's like the nature of social media and you have to learn to protect your peace yeah. and just allow people to say what they say, but you have the power to block and delete whoever. So yeah. that's one of my favorite that's things right. to do. You yes. just got to Block City, it's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> block City, yes.
2: I think that is such a valuable way to put it. The word... The words that you used about don't let them win and winning is letting them change you. Mm -hmm. I think that's like a really great line because nowadays everyone is on social media Mm -hmm. and I'm sure everyone then is like kind of susceptible to that. So it's a great message to keep in mind. Um, So Anne, when you started your business and personal training, Mm -hmm. uh, you had a mission. Yeah. And can you share with our listeners what that mission was and how it relates to your personal approach to life?
1: Yeah. So when I started, especially doing my boot camps, it was to just bring groups of women together to have mm-hmm. a space where they felt safe to just be who they are. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like I was always trying to mold myself to be like other people. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I didn't have a lot of female friends. It was just really hard mm-hmm. to have friends for some reason. Um, so in college, I joined a sorority, but even then I felt like I had to change myself to be like them mm-hmm. in order for them to accept me. Mm-hmm. So then when I started my boot camps I wanted women to just come and be who they are. I didn't want them to feel like I have to change in order to be accepted or be liked. Mm -hmm. So it was great like having all these different women come. Like, Predominantly, my clients are Asian, um, but they're mixed. It's like Vietnamese, Chinese, Mm -hmm. Cambodian. There's so many different types of Asian women. And I also had women who weren't Asian. So it was great knowing that they felt safe to come Mm -hmm. and work out with me. And also, we built really great friendships over the years. I had four, like four of my um, clients turned into like my bridal party. Oh, that's so cute. And I'm still like really close friends with like a handful of girls over the years. So I just wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be that that space for them. Mm. And whether or not we don't keep in touch anymore, like if you made a friend through going to my boot camps, Mm. or whether or not like you learned something or you took away something, I felt like that's like my dharma. That's like my Mm. purpose. Mm.
0: That's amazing. I love that. Women empowerment, that's what we're all about here as well. So it's nice that you found your community. And I love how you found it kind of like through your job, your passion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just attracting people who are like minded and are, you know, gonna support you. Mm-hmm. through through life too. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I love to to just think about is how certain moments in someone's childhood can help to really shape someone into who they are today. Yeah. For for you, first off, would love to understand or hear about like where did you grow up? Mm-hmm. What your childhood was like? And is there any specific moment from your childhood that you feel like always sticks with you or that comes up all the time and yeah. something that has perhaps shaped you into the woman that you are today?
1: I was born in Vietnam, and I came here when I was one and a half. And I think what just stuck throughout my whole childhood is that I had two really loving parents. Mm -hmm. Though they were strict and really hard on us, like they literally did everything for us. And that's, that's just stayed with me my whole life. And I just have immense gratitude for my parents, Mm -hmm. because even till this day, what my parents did my whole childhood plays a role in my current life. Mm -hmm. Like my husband and I live at the home that my parents um, bought, because after my mom passed away, there was no way I was going to move out. Mm -hmm. So my husband, um, Haven and I, we live at home. And the home that we lived in, it It wouldn't be possible without my parents because they thought so far ahead. Mm -hmm. Like they purchased a house that was close by like a high school, close by their work. So everything, I just felt like it all was aligned for me and my family now. Mm -hmm. So now now that I'm in my mid-30s with like my own family, everything... That I do, I know it's going to play a role in Haven's life in the future. Mm. So I'm very mindful of what I choose to do, the people I spend my time with, and like the energy I put out in the world. Because everything I do is going to affect him, whether like people believe it or not. I just, there's like a lot of like karmic uh, depth that comes with a mm. lot of things.
2: hmm mm-hmm. I love that way of thinking. It's like your parents came here to set the roots, Mm -hmm. and then now you are building upon that. um, And it's just a beautiful way to think about different generations. Mm -hmm. And yeah, thank you for sharing.
0: Right, so we have some fun questions to sort of end this conversation with. Um, so the first one is favorite workouts pre and during and post pregnancy.
1: It's <laughs> a lot. Yeah. I think so ever since um, I gave birth, I'm four months postpartum now. I think just breathing and relaxing has helped me a lot in my um, postpartum journey because Mm -hmm. we just gave birth. We carried a child for nine months. We delivered them and like we're navigating so many different things. So just learning to breathe and Mm -hmm. be still and give myself kindness. That's been really helpful because I'm not about the bounce back. I don't care if Mm -hmm. I bounce back like now or in a year. I just want to be a healthy and present mom for Haven Mm -hmm. and everything else will follow. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, do you like massages? I do. Have you gotten one for yourself? No, uh, Next week, I'm getting a facial that comes with the upper body massage. So I'm excited.
0: Okay, Okay. I'm so excited for you. That first massage after is just like, oh. I remember that was a present that I had given to my sister after her first. Mm -hmm. And she was like, whoa that was the it was like five months after I think her yeah. first and she was like that was the first moment I just stopped to think about the pregnancy mm-hmm. like to, ah. it, to think about the whole experience of it because it's so like go 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 afterwards So mm-hmm. she's like I didn't get a moment to like breathe and just stop for a moment yeah. so very excited to hear <laughs> that you have one coming up Alright, next question. What is Hard Summer and why is it special to you and your hubs?
1: <laughs> so Hard Summer is a music festival. Um, we've been going since 2016 when we started dating and mm-hmm. we haven't missed a year. <sighs> Oh, wow. We have gone every single year minus like 2020 when the pandemic mm-hmm. was happening. But we did go to drive-in raves. So the drive-in rave is you drive your car into a parking lot. I've heard of these, yes. And it's oh, literally yeah, yeah. you party in like a barricade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Okay. And it's always just me and my husband. We started going with friends. But the last, I want to say like five years, it's just the two of us. And we love going just the two of us because it's a time for us to connect and have fun. Mm. We only have to worry about each other mm. and like make sure like we're good. And I think for from dating to fiancés to husband and wife Mm -hmm. and to now parents. We just went this recent year, too. It's just a time for us to really just do what we love and remember, like, why we fell in love, you know, mm. spend that quality time together. So it's it's just become like a tradition we look forward to. Yeah. Can you en-
0: envision a world where Haven is there with you? So if he wants to be a DJ, okay. we
1: would totally support <laughs> it because we would go to all his shows, all his festivals. That is so cool. Like we're really open to him being whoever and whatever mm. he wants to be. Oh, we have a
0: little, um like a little DJ kit that one of our friends brought from Korea and uh. it, it like sings Korean music and everything, <laughs> but yeah. it has a little like been said and little buttons that you can press for drums and stuff Mm -hmm. that would be a very cute gift for for (laughs) haven just start him off Mm -hmm. young yes okay last question haven james's latest milestone Mm -hmm. and what are you excited to experience with him
1: I love everything. I feel that lately um, he's been reaching more. And like when he reaches and like touches my face, it like melts my heart. He's just such a happy baby. Aww. And I say like mama um, which is like mommy hold you. Mm. And like he'll reach for my hands and he just smiles. Aww. And just knowing that he knows I'm his mom mm. or like his caregiver. Yeah. I don't know what's processing in his head yeah. right now. <laughs> like mom, mom, mom. Yeah. <laughs> but just knowing that he knows I'm his somebody. Like mm. that's just been like so amazing. And oh. he's a he's a big boy. He grew almost three inches in two months.
0: Wow. wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness.
1: So he's almost eighteen pounds and almost three foot at four months. Oh my god! So he's a big boy. Big boy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you're doing amazing, Mama. Thank you. Supporting a healthy, growing baby. Yeah. Very excited for you. I think that love is only going to grow deeper and deeper and deeper. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing your journey with us.
1: Thank you for having me. I loved being here. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks,
2: Anne. And for all of our listeners too, whether you are experiencing pregnancy loss, miscarriages, or you are supporting someone who is, um, we thank Anne so much for sharing her experience. Because I know that that's been, hopefully a lot of insight that you can all draw from this um and if our listeners are looking to follow you where can they find you online
1: um you can find me on instagram at ann fung and that's about it for now (laughs) (laughs) go ahead and find her on instagram
2: she shares amazing content um like we said the highlights and the lowlights to reflect all of the aspects of real life and ann is there any parting words of wisdom you want to share with our listeners
1: um I just wanted to send my love to everyone who's on their TTC journey, everyone who's in grieving, whether it's your baby or like a loved one. I've learned that healing is an ongoing journey. You're never, ever just fully okay with what happened. You learn to live with your grief. So I just hope that you all have a space that you can share with and that, you know, your heart is okay as it can be.
2: That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And with that, we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.